maybe they don't need their art class. They can take a supplementary mechanical engineering class or mechanical working class as if they're attending a school that provides trade education. We already see this in some schools with students who are committed to becoming healthcare professionals or doctors. There are high school level healthcare aid programs and healthcare professional programs that basically take over a large portion of their high school career in order to prep them for their specialty education later on in life. They don't need this training necessarily, but it's a huge benefit when they hit those specialty courses in college or university. And we see a huge rise in the number of students who are successful in these programs if they have this earlier specialty training. So why can't we enact a program like that for multiple disciplines, not just something like healthcare? We have a lot of students who enter college wanting to move on to law school, but they have to spend the first several years and usually several degrees of their university education gaining the background and fundamental knowledge required simply to enter a law school and then proceed on to their law degree. Now, most law schools do require a first university degree just to prove their abilities at functioning at a higher education institute. But what if we had a program for high school students starting in the 10th grade where their education was specially focused on law-based courses? So they hit university, take their degree, eat just to get the skills necessary to survive university, but hit law school already with their foundation built of their knowledge of the law. So all they have to do is survive the post-secondary education institute, gain some supplementary knowledge, and then move on into their career of choice without having to relearn those fundamentals at a higher level, which in turn makes it that much harder because you're also having to survive an environment that is less supportive by its nature than a high school or earlier school environment. Now, these changes I'm not saying will be easy or cheap or is something everyone can do, but there are ways we can start. There are some fantastic studies out there, one by a Dr. Howard S. S. Adelman and Linda Taylor, about how to implement systemic changes in our schooling system. And the main focus of their article seems to be that we need to focus on having a clear goal when we, when we as educators approach our administration or even our local level of government to procure the funds and licensing necessary to make these changes. Too many times educators are idealists. We have great ideas for what we want to see changed in our school, but that is all we have. We have this great plan, but we don't have the, how do I put this, the bread and butter of our idea. We're like, we want to get here. And first, we need to get here. But how do we get from where we are to our midpoint to our endpoint? What are the steps we need to climb? Are we spanning a chasm or jumping over a puddle? Do we need, need a rowboat or a steamship? What are the levels of change necessary? How will these changes ripple out across the education system? Now, only one of us on this podcast is actually a parent with someone in school currently. So how would you feel if they started to consider large-scale changes to the school system? Would you be apprehensive? Would you want your child to be part of the earlier batch? Or would you want to kind of wait and see if these are going to work out first?
Well, I don't know. Being the age of my child, like she's only starting kindergarten in September. School is still a very new thing for her. She's still really developing a lot of her interests and what she thinks she might want to do. The school environment is still very new for me to try and navigate as a parent. Um, I found even choosing a school, I was very nervous, wanting to make the right choice, wanting to do what was best for her, what will give her the best shot at success. Um, I feel like I have full intentions to pay very close attention as she goes through school, that if something isn't working for her, I would be willing to really accept change and uh, do what is best, because I, I love her and I want her to be very successful at whatever she would like to do. You actually raise a really good point. If these changes were to enact, do you think it would be easier for students who are older to accept these or students who are just entering? Like, if we were to try and implement these changes, do you think we should grandfather in the students who are already in the program to continue on in the way they're used to and only start with students who are entering school as new students? like begin these type of changes to a more inquiry-based broad system at the kindergarten entry level instead of trying to change at the upper or middle levels and pull the rug out from under students who have spent their life learning in a certain way. Essentially what I'm saying is, do you believe this would need to be like a long-term step-by-step process of making these changes, basically going, all right, this year, all the kindergarten classrooms are changing. Next year, it'll be the grade one classrooms and grade two, and essentially follow that first group of students. So they always learn in the way they're used to, but we don't force a student who has learned their whole life in a different way to suddenly change at an upper or middle level, thus robbing them of the familiarity that often brings them comfort in the learning environment. I do think so, that it would be a lot easier to implement with kids who are brand new to the system rather than changing something drastically very suddenly. I think a little bit about our university experience and last year we were in person and we were going to school every day to go to physical classes in person and this year all of a sudden we have done everything on Zoom all year and it has been a difficult transition for a lot of students because it's not necessarily the best way that everybody learns. That's very well put. Like I've spoken to several of my former students that I've taught who also were thrown into partial online learning this year. Many of them sadly for their senior year of high school, this is their their experience with the half online, half in-person and they're very much struggling. But I also had grade nine students this year that I taught who this is all they've ever known for high school. So to them, it's honestly an easier experience because to them, high school is mostly online. It is a lot of non-physical learning where they're looking at a computer screen or an online tutorial and learning mostly on their own. And it's strange seeing younger, younger, less educated students struggle less with these topics than seniors who are having to relearn what school means so late in the game. 
But at the same time, if those same students move on to university next year and we have not transitioned back to an in-person model for university education next year, they'll enter university as a full online student and it'll be all they ever know. So I bet they will have a much easier time than doing full online learning. What do you think? I agree that I think if it's a system that you're already used to, it is a much simpler transition than all of a sudden being uh, flipped into something you're not certain of at all. Too true, too true. I guess only the future can tell us if students are going to be able to properly transition and survive this huge artificially implemented systemic change because this is, like it or not, the largest, widest spread systemic change in the school environment we have seen in probably decades was the huge rollout of online learning in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. For those of you possibly listening to this in the future, we are recording in the midst of the 2020-2021 quarantine on the, on the SARS COVID-19 pandemic. So for us, these changes to online learning are still very fresh for us. Possibly you're learning about this in a history book. Well, we're experiencing that history book. Go to page 27, that's us. Well. I feel the, one of the good things that may have come from doing this though is it is forcing teachers and students to think in very new and creative ways about things that wouldn't have required much of any thought before. You're very correct. People didn't think that we could handle school without the physical place of a school before this awful disease forced us to confront the idea that school is a joining of minds and an activity, not a physical location. And I'll kind of leave us off with a thought-provoking question I often give to other groups of students at our university and some other educators that I've been speaking with, because we are running out of time, unfortunately. In the future, do we possibly even need traditionally built schools at all? We've demonstrated that school can be achieved with individual space at home, an online server, and a few specialty facilities for our university. That was the pottery lab with its kiln, and a few of the science labs with specialty equipment that needed to be shared one at a time throughout different days. Centrifuges, electron microscopes, those type of things. So for something like a high school in the future, will a high school be a hollow with some lockers to store, a couple specialty items for gym class, and something like a robotics or metalworking lab, but no traditional classrooms, as in a chalkboard or whiteboard at the front with seats in front of it, because will we just continue to have those classes be a distance learning online education environment? A, it would save a ton of room in schools because we wouldn't need 45 identical classrooms just to facilitate students in seats learning material they could be learning from their home, from their teacher, same material, just without the physical presence at school. Schools theoretically could be a third the size they are today, which in turn would use less materials, less power, less water. So in the future, 
Will we see large, sprawling, multi-level schools, or will it simply be usually a gym and a few labs? This episode of Creative You was made possible by the, the research recorded in the works of Systemic Change for School Improvement by Howard S. Adelman. Visible Learning for Social Studies, Designing Student Learning for Conceptual Understanding by John Hattie, Jewel Stern, Douglas Fisher, and Nancy Frey, and Intention, Critical Creativity in the Classroom by Amy Bravell and Dan Ryder. We encourage you to check out these works directly for more information.
This episode of Creative You was made possible by the, the research recorded in the works of Systemic Change for School Improvement by Howard S. Adelman. Visible Learning for Social Studies, Designing Student Learning for Conceptual Understanding by John Hattie, Jules Stern, Douglas Fisher, and Nancy Frey. And Intention, Critical Creativity in the Classroom by Amy Bravell and Dan Ryder. We encourage you to check out these works directly for more information.